Do you like monsters? Do you like dungeons and dragons? Do you like monsters and dungeons and dragons? Then do we have a show for you. Kill Every Monster is a bi-weekly DM deep dive into every monster in the manual. The first part is a discussion about creature mechanics and lore, and the second half is a one-shot AP where the guest takes on the role of the monster. Each episode of Kill Every Monster is a contained story, so you never have to worry about being caught up or listening out of order. Pick any monster you like and jump right in. For a Dryad episode, Emily Booza talked about how these tree ladies are really just grown-up fairies. Like that concept of there are fairies that are specifically assigned to a flower, like stuck in my head as a kid. And I really remember really loving those. And I feel like the dryad can be kind of, again, it's a grown up fairy. It's the grown up (laughs) version of that concept of just, you know, you're too big for just a flower. You need a whole tree. I like this accidental idea of almost the hermit crab dryad mentality of like, well, I was born, I had a dandelion. And then all the wisps blew away and I had to move. Uh, so I lived in a rose bush for a while. And then there was an apple tree growing nearby. And that was really nice. <laughs> I love that. I love I want it. I want a children's book of that concept. I want a children's book of that concept now, please. <laughs> Universe. To find out more about the show and where you can listen, head on over to killeverymonster.com. And we'll see you next time for Kill, Kill Every Monster. Monster. Hey people, this is Aram. Today I am pulling an episode from our Patreon Vault, a continuation of the story with Carlos Luna as the Jackdaws and Steven Kropa playing Captain Rugov Cesar. Before we get started, I wanted to give you all some Godsfall updates. First, I am pushing back the Kickstarter launch for Rise of the Demigods until Monday, July 30th. I am having emergency dental work done pretty much all day Monday and Tuesday, and I want this project to have my full attention when we go live. So again, that's Monday, July 30th at noon central for the Rise of the Demigods launch. Don't worry, I'll be reminding you all of that day many, many more times. Now let's get back to the show. Hey people, this is Aram. Welcome back to God's Fall, a proud member of Neon Rival. Join the collective at neonrival.com. When we left Captain Rugoff, he and his crew had taken the three jackdaws, including their newest member, Brannock, captive, locking them in a well-appointed cell below deck. After losing his temper at breakfast, the captain ordered his crew to play a game involving dragging two of them behind and above the ship on a long rope and makeshift wings. When one of the crew crashed into the sea, the jackdaws sprung into action and saved the man's life. The captain was impressed. My name is Steven Kropa, and I'm playing Captain Rugov Cesar. My name is Carlos Luna. And I play the three jackdaws. Inshova, the fourth level human thief. Kaslik, the fourth level human ranger. Urkov, the fourth level human fighter.
Well, a savior's dinner, I would think. Or lunch, right? What time is it? <laughs> you just said breakfast. Right. So it's like, you yeah. know, 9 a.m. <laughs> savior's brunch it is. <laughs> he goes up, and as we walk past, like, outside of the, the guest quarters, and we walk out, you guys look over and notice that those iron barrels are missing. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And we go back up to the galley, and... There's already a table being set by the chef, and he just sits down at the middle, and he, he beckons you over to sit down next to him. I would love that the table, it's like a banquet table, mm-hmm. and there are seven different meals. Depending on how you felt that day, you would sit in front of the meal that you wanted to yes, eat. Like, yes, they prepare there's, it. Yes, there's a, the, the main entrees there, and I look at them over, and he's like, yes. And he sits down and goes, fish again. <laughs> uh- <laughs> And then they take all the plates away, and then they come back with ev- with everything else. All right, so you all sit down to eat. Yeah. It's uh, just the captain and you three. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, there are people in the mess hall eating, but this, this is in particular the middle, table in the middle of the ship. is I just think the captain and you three. Narden right? is there as well. And Narden, and he, yeah, Narden's on always, your side. Yeah, he's always on my side. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Is he, like, standing behind you? or? No, he's just sitting next to me. He's, like... The same thing, kind of how you guys are eating off each other's plate. We do like that reach out, like we don't mind reaching over each other's plates and mm-hmm. things like that. For Except stuff. Narden like, never takes from he, your no, plate. No, neither of us are take. I don't take from his plate right. either. But we don't yeah. mind the reach over. We don't mind like yeah. you know. We don't even have to ask for something to be passed. We already know. Like if I give a little look, he already knows I need more salt. If you're eating yeah. fish, he knows you need salt. Right. It's there oh, before you even sit down. Yeah. I want to roll an investigation for the trio. They want to be useful. They want to be seen as useful. Because they know this is a fickle man, and he tires of his toys quickly. They know if they can be useful on this ship and make their way out of this cell somehow and make themselves useful, they will last longer on this ship. So 17, 17, and 6. Maybe not so much Brannock. This isn't really his game. Mm. The other two, though, are very, very used to exploiting every opportunity that comes to them. They're survivalists, too. Absolutely, they are survivalists. And every single thing about this captain says that he spends a lot of money. A lot of money. If he's running smuggling, he's spending a lot of money. The lavish ways that he just entertains, not even entertains, really just enjoys Mm -hmm. day-to-day moments. I mean, he is, everything is expensive and probably too expensive for what you've seen so far. Probably too expensive for the job op- operation he has. Yeah, it just it is, it, there's just some numbers not adding up. Either he's mm. running a large debt yeah. or he's just breaking even, but it's just too much money is getting spent here. So if you're looking for a weakness, you think it's money. We noticed that the ironwood barrels were missing. Yes. Can I roll an investigation on that? <laughs> like sure. or or like what I know what could be done with acid in the middle of the ocean? One of them blew up an entire royal barge. They are highly, highly explosive. And they're so explosive that they can even be, they can even take down ironwood. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just highly dangerous, highly explosive, very illegal. How would they disappear from a ship, though? They could like, have just been moved somewhere. I mean, oh, there's multiple okay. decks yeah. on yeah, this okay, okay. ship. They just yeah, also, I don't know why there's I thought, a couple <laughs> other rooms. It disappeared. Yeah. I yeah, thought maybe no. they're like too big to move. I don't know. I think of a barrel oh, of beer. I was thinking like a big vat of no, like, like no. a bourbon barrel. Or okay, something. Yeah, gotcha, yeah, yeah, gotcha. Exactly. Okay, that something you could roll on its edge. Gotcha. Right? That makes a fifty-gallon barrel. That makes sense. Yeah. As as they're eating, Urakov looks over at 
some of the men in the mess hall and men on boats uh like <laughs> pirates that have been out to sea uh are worn out like men you know what i mean and he is this strong athletic whatever uh bronze crisply shaven yeah, and dressed mm -hmm. like athlete like a gladiator he's like basically a gladiator and urkov no inshova i want to make it so when the jackdaws talk they can talk individually but it's kind of like handing someone the wheel yeah. Like, it's yeah. kind of like Inshova would have to turn off so, like, Urukov can, like, turn back on and take the wheel. You right. know what I mean? They're like, when they have a conversation, it's in a, when they, when they talk with each other, it's in a round. Yeah. If they want to talk outwardly, two of them have to be quiet so yeah. that one can talk. Exactly. Yeah. So they all focus. And somehow Brannock is kind of doing that, but at the same time, a little canatonic. Like, he's someplace else, like, the entire time. There is no urgency at the ship. He knows what the ship is. There's no fright or flight in him. And there should be. Like, there's definitely cause for it. It's just not registering for him. As you're sitting there across from him and you're eating, you notice after a moment that Brennick has a little, and maybe he always had it, you know, but he's got a little, like, rogue silver in the front, like right where his widow's peak is, there's mm -hmm. just this like shock of silver now that's running through his hair. Maybe he always had it, but is it hair or is it silver? Oh, it's definitely hair. Oh, okay, like, it's silvery like, hair. Okay, you know, like he's he's got like a dark brown hair, but now he's got this like this like run of silver like right through rogue, the front of it, like rogue from like X Men, rogue, exactly okay. like rogue from the X Men. Yeah, Urkova uh, is just shoveling food in his mouth. Weak men, weak arms, weak ship. All right, well, I think you're done with your meal. And he takes his plate and starts pulling it away. He uh, shovels the last forkful, like an entire steak, <laughs> into his mouth. Lucky you found in Chovo. Strong. Size of three men here. And like slams his fork down on the table. I mean, I'll take someone who's pleasant more than someone who's three times as big. A million pardons, Captain. What he lacks in brains, he makes up for in brawn. You know, I've never been a fan of that theory. I think a man can be both. I think someone can be daring. I think someone can be charming. I think someone can be the total package. I mean, Christ, I see it every day in the mirror. <laughs> I agree, I agree, <laughs> Captain. You definitely have all those qualities. You know, you remind me of a, a friend of my father's. You know, he, he, he only had one, one way to move throughout his life, and it was always up and down with his head, always up and down. Yes, 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 yes. Sorry, sorry. It's all my, it's on me, it's on me, on me, on me. And a man who takes that much burden, well, his back's gonna break. You need to loosen up. All you boys need to loosen up. Okay? The world is not that dreary. It's not that frightening. No! We are men of Kadar, yes, of course. As he says, the world isn't so frightening. It's Brannock looking at all the horrors that he's seen on the battlefield, all the horrors that has been done to him, all the betrayals uh, and torturous things that has happened in his life. Yes, yes, we are men of Kadar. What do we do with that, you know? Think about it. I'm not asking. I'm saying just think about that. We, we, we sit atop these wooden water horses, as I like to call this ship, and we make what we can, all right? 
I'm making do with what I can here. Do you understand? Yes, I, I believe I... I believe I understand. And I will make do with what I have as well. And how can we help you? It's not about helping me, it's about helping yourself. No. I'm here to help every one of my fellows. And in turn, they help me. So we would help you. Right, but it's not, it's not, a, it's not a servitude thing. It's not, it's a, you're not beneath me unless you feel that is your best role. But I will never have you in that place. Oh, I, I believe I understand now. We need to find our own place. Yes, here, in the world, in, in a lover's bed, wherever that may be. Wait, what? Hmm? Hmm? In a lover's bed? Oh. Have you not shared a bed with a lover? Of course. Well, then, of course, you know that's a perfect place to find yourself. It's just a weird, weird train of thought that you had there. <laughs> he looks at Nard and he's like, is that weird? Was I being weird? <laughs> no, not all, yeah, No, it's, 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 it's second brunch. Of course, it's not, that's perfectly fine. The chef from the back, second brunch! <laughs> <laughs> oh, second brunch! Oh, wait till you have our orange juice. It's not that orange juice. Perfect. He's offered his services. He said... Um, well, he wanted to... Like, you guys have been pawning around about how you could be useful. Yeah, useful. You're useful to me if you're useful to yourself. What time is it? Like time is in, in, the, in, the game. Yeah, in the game. I would say it's now about 10 a.m. Oh my god! Yeah, like I've had two meals in an hour. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's the. I mean, like, I mean, it was dawn, right? And then you guys fucked around for yeah. a bit, and then you were invited to, and then there was uh, a catastrophe where they wind, where they, where they wind sailed and then crashed, and then you had like brunch. So it's like I'd say maybe 11 a.m. How many days does it take to get Port Bliss? Four days. It'll take four days to get to Port Bliss. Four days of fun in the sun. The jackdaws here, you're useful to me when you're useful to yourself. They know they're at least four days out from Port Bliss. And it's almost like a movie where it's just like black screen, white, like white text. And it just says four days, <laughs> you know, um, like right on the screen. And they know they just have to survive on this ship and not fall victim to this captain. Day one. The boat itself is a prison. Yes. Even outside of their it's own the implication. cell. implication. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> even outside of their cell, it's still a prison. Yep. It, they're trapped by the ocean. No matter what they do on this ship, they aren't free until they hit land or they have their own ship. The plan is make it to Port Bliss and find their own ship or find their own way to make it to the north. Uh, I think over the next three, there's four days. There's three of them. Each day, I will find one of them, and I will just be like, "Oh, hey, you could. Uh, you're that's who I'm looking for. That kind of thing." What are we? Wait, what are we doing during these days? I see that you have been rotated into yeah, you're the crew. Rotating the crew. You're, so oh, you're, yeah. okay. So your first mate, Narden, knows you well and immediately puts the three of them on a work crew, separate from each other, though, doing different jobs at different times to keep them off balance. Urukov is an ox of a man, so they put him down in storage, moving around barrels and boxes. Inchova is thin and agile and a really good climber, so they put him up in the sails, tying down ropes and mending rips. And Brannick is a soldier, so he's given a weapon and put on watch. So first day, 
That's yeah. what they're that's what they're doing. Yeah, who do you want the first day? I'm gonna go right down that order, Erikov and Shova and Branick. And what is he doing? So he's down in uh, the storage. I think he's he helping Narden do inventory. Basically just lifting yeah. whatever Narden points at. Yeah. Narden has a clipboard. Yeah. And, Always. And is uh, used to doing inventory with several people. And when he gives out an order, it's kind of like one at a time. And he's always waiting for the next person to step back up. But he'll be like 100 pounds of grain and expect like one person to come up, shuffle out through and like wait for the next person to step up. But he's like 100 pounds of grain and he just like puts it over his shoulder and he's still waiting for the next one to come. (laughs) And he's like, you know, Narden's like flipping through his thing like really quick, like, oh, you know, two barrels of rum. And he picks up the two barrels and he's still standing there like blankly, like staring at him. And he's like flipping through his pages again. And he's just like, and now the line's starting to back up. And for the first time, he, Narden feels pressure. Like he needs to move faster. Rugoff walks up to it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, hey, hey, hey. <clears throat> all right. He knows he's not helping at all, but he's walking with you, like carrying stuff. <laughs> like, kind of like. The tag that's yeah, like. He's, like, he's, he's like, like holding it, but he's like making, he's like walking. He's just like. Whenever there's two people moving right. the couch, and then there's that third person that yeah, goes that's into exactly the middle. Yeah. It's like when you're when someone's doing the hora, and it's just you're holding the, you're not <laughs> holding the back, you're just there for support. Yeah. That's what he's doing with like a barrel of rum. Like he's just like, so big guy, how you doing? Doing good. Being. Being useful. Great. We put stuff down. Hey, Narden, I'm going to take him for an agua break. We head up. Why don't you tell me something about yourself? We'll play a game. It's, called, it's a game. You tell something about yourself, I'll tell you something about myself. Okay. Um. In that moment, he's connected. To, he's still connected to everyone. His outside exterior does not match the panic inside. So in his mind's eye, he's kind of like, it's a guy who lost something in a messy room, basically, like looking for things. Like everything is so cut and dry. It's basically like Hulk smash in this guy's mind, you know? No one is interested in what he thinks ever. In this moment, Brannick and Inshova are trying to help him. I miss the running. I miss the sport. I'm a cart here. I'm not useful. I miss... I miss the roar of the crowd. You miss fanfare. I get that. I get that totally. You might surprise you, but before I was a captain here, you know, my father sold me off. Little magic tricks and things like that. I was quick with my hands and... Well, some people paid some big big pennies and big coins for somebody of that skill set. As mad as I was at him, I, I did miss the cheering. Just like you, I missed the fanfare. You and I are not that different. In his mind's eye, Brannick and Inshova are hands on his shoulder and they're whispering in his ear, You and I are not that different. You and I are not that different. I know, I just said that, so it's pretty clear. <laughs> Slams these barrels down, drops this huge sack of grain. And there's a bunch of different barrels down here. And a couple of the barrels are water, just storage water, fresh water for the crew to drink. And your eye just glances over at them and they're all frozen solid. And when you do a double take, it's just water sloshing back and forth. You're not cold, are you? Is he cold? It's late summer. No, 
And he like wipes sweat from his forehead. Sweat does cool you down, but all right, never mind. Uh, Don't want to explain sweat to you. (laughs) So that day Day goes by. Day number two. And who's the next one on the list? Inchova. Inchova. He is up on the deck in the rigging, tying really intricate naval knots and pulling in sails and whatnot. Uh, And he's like tying a knot at one point. He goes to move to the next one. And Rugoff like runs past and like ties the one really excited. He goes, I'll beat you. <laughs> you are very quick, sir. And he's undoing his knot because it was like literally like bunny ears <laughs> <Yeah>. around. <laughs> it's the most useless, yeah, yeah. useless knot ever. <laughs> and it's like a very like necessary rope, you know, right. that someone will die. Would kill it, half the crew. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, I wish I could be as skillful as you are. You know, you should give yourself more credit. Yeah, yes, I, I am working on that since you had mentioned it the other day. Right, I mean, I've, I, I, I used to be just like you, you know, until I, re- until I rose the ranks, until I found inside myself something to call my own. You know, I didn't need parents or anything to give that to me. I didn't have to inherit anything like that. I made my own. You didn't have parents? I don't know if uh, the big guy told you, but uh, no, my father sold me off at a very young age. In Inshova's mind... It's his voice saying these things. I was quick with my hands. I could do tricks and... I was always quick with my hands. Things with cards and coins and stuff like that. Card tricks, these sorts of things. It's playing out as if he's saying them while the captain's saying it. And until I, you know, picked the pocket of the wrong man. It's a naval officer and he saw something in me, I guess, and he, he did sock me one to it, you know, and I kind of keep that legacy going, but he gave me my first job on a ship and, you know, I learned it well. And here you are, in charge of all of this. You know, there's something about your hands that I can see in my own. There's a deftness to them. There's a lightness. A lot of people have theirs lumbering against the side as if they're not their own entities. But hands, hands can do the God's work if you know how to use them right. He looks at his fingertips. His fingerprints have been, like, burned off. So you can't be traced or they can't leave a mark or whatever. Burned it's, off with acid. Yeah. This is melted off. It's a thieves print. So there's no defining mark on his hand. In his mind's eye, Urkov and Brannock right behind them don't move, but their eyes just look down as Inshova puts his palms on his knees face up and looks down at his own fingertips. He sees the captain's hands in his own hands. Like, I don't know if you've seen this, but uh, I had to make my own mark in more ways than one. And he shows them his thumb. His thumb's fingerprint has been burned off, but he cut a very specific design on his thumb. Because this is what I seal my letters with. I made my own mark. I think you should too. Shova looks at his own thumb, completely bare, not a mark made on it. A blue light rips through the flesh and crackles around, and the entire digit just turns into a solid block of ice, and there's what looks like a fang outlined on your thumb, and then you blink, and it's just your thumb. In the mind's eye, Brannock and Urkov look at each other, just side-eye each other at what's going on. Urshova, he doesn't show that he's startled by that, but a lot of mixed emotions right now happening and a lot of doubt 
the idea of a rogue or a thief is to be hidden, remain hidden, and the idea that this other rogue or this other thief could have found power in showing his presence in that everything that he does goes against a rogue's code of being invisible. Basically the opposite of a ninja. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's the anti-ninja. Far more clown than ninja. Well, yeah, he's hiding exactly. in plain sight. Yeah. yeah. That had never crossed his mind. The same idea that victory has crossed Brannock's mind in the last couple days, the idea of being seen for your virtues and victories rather than survival. While Brannock was winning victories for other people in Shova, in the animal kingdom, there is no showing off when you survive. You just get to live. Yeah, life is its own reward. But now there's an idea in his head. That evening is the night that you were expected to basically meet your contact. Uh, there was going to be another ship. This is where the blockade was supposed to be. These stars are out brilliantly. Sunset was like three hours ago. You get a knock on your door. One of your officers, Boatswain Semenov. Uh, sir. Oh, Bodhi, yeah. I do enjoy that name, sir. Sir, uh, we've circled three times now. There is no sign of the Night Watch. That's strange, isn't it? They should be here. Other ships should, should be here. The blockade isn't here. This is the Kadarian blockade? Correct. It's basically the Navy is encircling Ani. Yeah. That is, and you should have run into them by now. They yeah. are literally encircling Ani. If you didn't, didn't run into the ship you were looking for, you should have run into another one, and you've run into nothing. And why did they do this? To protect Kadar? Well, Ani, because of the God King, because the, the God King had control over the sea. You know, that inner king sea where all the nations connect and all the ships have to travel through there in order to get goods to each other. So because the God King could literally just sink a ship with the wave of a hand, they imposed massive tariffs. And that is allowed Ani to be this stagnant city kingdom utopia. So what Kadar is saying is that they're enforcing this blockade to protest these unfair tariffs. What they're actually doing is trying to isolate Ani and bring it more under their control, but they're making it sound like they're doing it for the people, and perhaps a lot of them believe they are. Either way, you should have run into them, right. and they're not here. Have we lit the back beacon? You have done all the things you were supposed to do, and you spent an extra couple hours here, and there's no sign whatsoever of your contact. Buddy, thank you. Send in uh, Sedova and Narden, please. Of course, sir. And rushes out, and a few minutes later, your first officer and lieutenant walk in. You're, you're both going to have very different opinions right now. You're going you're gonna to tell me to do two different things, and that's why I keep both of you on staff and why you're both so highly regarded. And your officers just kind of look at each other, and then Narden speaks up, and he's like, well, in this case, sir, we both agree. If there is no blockade, that's the only reason why we were paying the bribe in the first place. We should just go on ahead and split the money among ourselves. Okay, well, that's easy. That's pretty settled. All right. Thank you. Okay. You're welcome, sir. All right, get out of here. And they go. Yeah. <laughs> I like meetings that end in more money. I go, well, yeah. uh, okay, no bribe. Uh, let uh, let the crew know that their percentage going up 1%. Yes, sir. All right. They walk out, mm -hmm. and like five minutes later, you just hear an uproarious cheer. It's, it's almost like a white noise generator. A mm -hmm. happy ship yeah. makes you happy. 
as the door shuts, he kind of raises his glass to his crew. He downs what he, he downs his rum, and he goes over the mirror, and he takes out his top row of his teeth. <laughs> oh my god! And he god. puts it to the side, and he goes to bed. I also want him to go to the desk and have a sheet of paper on the entire trip and how much he's making for everything, like how the cut is made. Oh yeah. The blockade was gonna take 10% off of uh, mm-hmm. you know his cost, yeah. and he's like, tell them they have 1%, and they're like, yeah! yeah. And he just crosses off 10% right. and yeah. like adds himself 9%. Whole 9% yeah. gets stacked onto his. Of course. Day three. Brannick is standing watch. Yeah. So Brannick is, I would say, directly behind whichever officer, uh, probably the midshipman. So directly behind uh, the midshipman who is steering the ship, since you never bother. Yeah. So he goes up and he kind of, the midshipman who's steering kind of like pulls it a little bit. He's like, oh, oh, all right, you're, just, you're okay. <laughs> he like goes next to Brannick. He's kind of like standing there looking out where he's looking. And he turns around and he goes, oh my God, what's that? And Brannick just like stares at him. He goes, good eye. <laughs> Brannock's eyes were always blue, but they have gone, like, icy pale. And when he stares into your eyes, you feel a chill. The temperature dropped just slightly. And you swear that white has gotten wider and now goes straight back across to the back of his head. You know, I'm not one to talk about hair since I'm missing a lot of it on the top, but I had a hawk. And he saw some stuff when he was flying around, and he came back all white because of trauma. And I, I can always tell someone who's taken another life. You just have that kinship there. And Well, you know, it took a long time for me to admit it and a long time for me to even talk about it. So if you ever want to talk about something like that, I, I know the sound of steel through flesh. In Brannock's mind's eye, we see, we see the two jackdaws. They haven't been bought, but you can tell that they are kind of softening to what this guy is saying and they're standing behind Brannock and almost like patting him a little bit like they're there buddy expecting him to be like affected as much as they were because in Inshova's mind he's just like he's an orphan just like me and then in Urukov's mind he's like he would make a fierce competitor just like me had someone said this to Brannick, had anyone paid any attention to Brannick in the past like five years or his entire life, he would have sworn his allegiance. He hears what he's saying, but it's almost as if anything anyone says anymore, volume wise, is lower than the victory cheers that he's hearing in his mind. It's all a distracting buzz. Yeah. They're all like, he's this just like me. He's that just like me. And Brannock's like, he's a liar just like them. Exactly. Mm. For the first time in his life, honest about what he's doing and not just being the sacrificial lamb. And Brannock says, I want your ship. Thank you for joining us for this God's Fall side quest, Surviving Caesar. For my DM's notes about this episode, behind-the-scenes videos, early previews of future episodes, and a ton of other bonus content, head over to patreon.com vardian. Rise of the Demigods launches Monday, July 30th at noon central, and all previous Kickstarter and Backer Kit supporters will get an early preview. 
For more information, follow God's Fall DC and Demi God's Fall on Twitter. So thank you for listening and supporting God's Fall, and we'll see you Monday, July 30th, when we launch the next chapter of our story in the world of the Five Kingdoms. Produced and edited by Dead Ghost Productions. Find out more about us and all the shows we make at deadghostpro.com. Deadghostpro.com.